I uh, have been reminded in these summer months of a summer vacation I took back in my youth to the Jersey Shore. And now I know you all know where the Jersey Shore is because it's where you are when you're not here on a Sunday morning. But my family did. We took a, we took a week-long trip out there when I was probably in summer after third grade. Uh, and we had a great time. And I, my favorite thing to do, my, my dad grew up in Hawaii, actually. And so he knows all about surfing, boogie boarding, uh, all that good stuff. So he was trying to teach me the ropes, pass on the, the joys of his youth to me. So I had a great time just playing in the waves. That's still one of my favorite things to do. But then, even, even, even when I was in third grade, uh, I, I could find time every now and then, not very often, to just try and relax. Most of the time I was go, 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 but the waves will kind of wear you out. And so I also found great joy in just sitting in one of those chairs, you know, the ones that are real low to the ground, and digging my feet into the sand, and then just kind of playing with the sand with my hands. I, I remember being mesmerized by it, of just the ways that you could pick it up and it would just fall through your fingers. And, and I was doing some experiments with this, and, and I kind of learned that you can't ever take a handful of sand. Because if you pick it up with one hand like this, it's going to all fall out the sides. And if you try and pick up and scoop up hands and hold it in a clenched fist, it's all going to fall out the bottom. The, the only way to hold sand in your hands, this is the important stuff you learn at church, is you scoop it up with two hands and you hold it like this. Learn this in third grade. You're welcome. You're welcome for my research. Yes. I'm saying all of this because there's actually a really good deeper message and illustration. When we cling too tightly to things in life, we tend to lose something along the way. But when we hold it carefully and openly, well, that's when the Holy Spirit can really get to work. We're going to be looking at this exact idea, and Jesus actually speaks to it in a way, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 40. I've titled this sermon, Open Hands and Open Hearts. If you'd please join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. If you would then, open up your Bibles, grab the Pew Bible in front of you, pull it up on your phone. You brought your Bible from home, that's great too. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 32. And if you would, please, join, please stand with me. We like to stand when we read the gospel passage as an acknowledgement to the holiness of this moment and the ways that Christ moves among us. Luke 12, beginning at verse 32. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus went on and said, Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house 
had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Church, this is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So that reading, that little passage, has a whole bunch of great stuff for us to dive into here this morning. And in fact, it's these two different parts that at first glance don't seem to really fit together very well. You've got Jesus at first talking about a little flock and do not be afraid and where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And then he shifts into this parable about servants waiting for their master to come home from the wedding banquet. And again, at first, it doesn't seem like these two fit together, but, but you know that Jesus... He knows what he's talking about, and we're going to see just the ways that these two pieces fit very carefully. So first we want to discuss this original idea about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You've heard that phrase used many times before, probably at stewardship time, if I'm really being honest there, and that's okay. It is a good reminder for us of the connection between our treasure and the position of our hearts. But going back to that little story I told you about my third grade wisdom gleaned at the New Jersey Shore, what we cling to is also the same as saying our treasure. We have all sorts of things in our life that we treasure, if we're really honest. And if you really look carefully, I think that you would, you would also see that what you cling to is really the same as what you treasure. What you hold so tightly to that you don't want to let go of that you don't want anyone else to get their hands on, that is your treasure. And so what does that look like for you, church? We've got to ask ourselves this really difficult question this morning. What are you clinging tightly to? Maybe, maybe it is money, really physical treasure, right? Maybe, maybe you are just having a difficult time sharing with others. You're really protective of it. You don't want to loan money out to anyone or go half on the bill at the restaurant. Or maybe it's something that's become really personal for you. Maybe you've got a really nice car, and you're always the person who's yelling at someone else for parking too close. Don't you understand how much that car costs? I just got it waxed. Or maybe you're clinging to something that's not a physical possession. Right? Maybe you're clinging to, to control, always having it go your way. Maybe you're clinging to success. Right? You, you always want to be seen as the one who gets it all right at work. Or you're clinging to your accomplishments. You're always telling the story about how you were the quarterback of your high school football team, but that was 50 years ago. You see, the truth is, and the truths of Jesus always go much deeper. What we cling to is what we treasure. And you can see in all of my examples about how holding too tightly to any of these things, which in and of themselves are not bad on the surface, but clinging too tightly to any of this, Control, success, accomplishments, money. Clinging too tightly to any of that will cause you to lose something along the way. These are the deep truths of Jesus. It's never something quick and simple with him. What do you treasure, he says. And then he goes on to say that what you treasure is very much connected to the position of your heart. We need to be careful about the things that we cling to, church. And we need to look carefully at what it is that we're overly protective of. We need to recognize that what we treasure is where our heart is at. And then after all of this, Jesus 
goes on to tell this parable. And now, this parable is about servants who are waiting for the master to return from the wedding banquet. And what we need to recognize is that they are able to wait and be there when he returns home because they're not clinging to anything else. They're not clinging to control or success or accomplishments or money or a car. They are able to be there and to be present for the master's return because their hands are empty. Their hearts are focused on the master. We have to be careful, church, about what we cling to and what we treasure because if we're too focused on what's most important to us, then we'll miss what's most important to God. We have seen this play out in our church again and again and again. Not just in this branch of Zion, but throughout Christianity. People become so focused on one particular issue, one particular way of doing things, and it destroys all that God is trying to do in those churches, in those communities, in those places. And it's really tricky business. Because the enemy is very capable of taking good intentions and twisting them. The enemy is very capable of taking good intentions and then making you cling to them. And not having any sort of creativity or any sort of open-mindedness for the ways that God might be trying to accomplish that. You might be thinking to yourself, right, I'm just focused on, on building the kingdom. I'm just focused on doing what's right for my family. I'm just focused on growing the church. And all of these are good goals to have. But if you cling to just one way of getting any of that done, well, then you're going to be missing out on what God might actually be trying to do. As you may have heard earlier this week, uh, Nobel laureate, poet, author Toni Morrison passed away. And she was a great source of hope in this world and a very accomplished woman whose writings have inspired so many people. If you haven't read some of her works, I deeply encourage it. There's a ton of places where you could start. But she has a great quote. And she says, and I can't say all of it. (laughs) She says, you want to fly? You got to give up the stuff that weighs you down. She might have used a word different than stuff there. You want to fly? You've got to give up the stuff that weighs you down. Church, what's holding you down? What are you clinging to and treasuring instead of God? In the parable, Jesus says that God could show up at any moment. And so we've got to be ready. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what are we clinging to? When God shows up, are we going to be ready for God to appear and work in unexpected ways? Or are we going to be clinging and trying to control the whole situation? I also heard a story this week um, about a, this is a friend of a friend. His name is Dave Sai, And he unfortunately, um, years back, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And now what's a common practice um, for some people is to create a bucket list in a situation like this. Um, you might have even seen the movie, Jack, Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, The Bucket List, right? The list of things that you want to accomplish before you kick the bucket. Well, Dave took a very different approach to all of this. Rather than making a bucket list, Dave created a chuck it list. And it was all the things in his life that he was simply done worrying about. 
done caring about, done letting it weigh him down. He wasn't going to relive that embarrassing moment from third grade anymore. He wasn't going to worry about always getting everything right for everyone in his family. Those were all the things that he was just going to chuck so that he could live his life to its fullest in the last months that he had left. And you see, church, when we cling too tightly to our stuff or our ideas, we're not leaving room for God. There's so much that we need to let go of if we want to fly, like Toni Morrison said. There's so much that we need to just chuck if we're going to truly live our life, like Dave Sai was saying. We've got to learn to let go. And that is hard. And that is difficult. Because we get programmed to act in certain ways over the course of our life. It's hard and it's difficult because there's probably a lot of stuff that is really good and important But maybe we don't need to fully let it go. Maybe we just need to have a a little bit more imagination about how that might happen. How God might accomplish what we truly want to see take place. It's a good practice to let go of things. That's that's why we do it during Lent, right? We love that time. What are you going to give up for Lent? That's a really good practice. But you don't have to wait for Lent, okay? Let's have a summer Lent here today where we let go of some things so that God can really get to work. It all goes back to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me, God says. First and foremost, this is the first thing God lays on us. You shall have no other gods before me. And so we've got to look carefully. Are we saying, that's mine and mine alone? Are we saying, my way is the only way? We've got to stop clinging, church, and start letting go. Because when we come before God with open hands and open hearts, that's when the truly amazing stuff starts to happen. I told this story once before during a Bible study here at Reformation, so some of you may have heard this before. But when I was in college, I studied religion. What was I thinking? (laughs) And so I was taking all of these classes that were just going way beyond anything that I had learned in Sunday school or confirmation class growing up. And it was really exciting and really invigorating, but really difficult for my faith, right? I was taking this very academic approach to matters of theology and religion, but, but then it was leaving me in this place of saying, like, well, what do I believe? All these things that I've heard growing up, now, now it seems all nuanced and different and twisted, and I'm not sure where I'm at. And so actually during my sophomore year of college, I was in uh, a really difficult place with my faith life. Wasn't sure what I was feeling anymore, what I believed about anything. I I didn't want to give up on church altogether, but I was getting to that point where where I just couldn't put all the pieces together. But I grew up going to church. And so Sunday just didn't feel right if I wasn't in church, right? It's just what you do. And thankfully, I also had a lot of friends who, who were raised in similar households who had that commitment. So every Sunday, I went to church. Even though I would sit there and critique everything I heard and process it all and wonder if I really believed what the pastor was saying. I hope none of you are doing that today. Uh, (laughs) And I remember, though, every single week, we'd get to the point of communion. I had communion every week at that church. And I have all these thoughts in my head about what is it that I believe, what's actually happening. But yet still, I I would go up for communion. And, And what was really interesting... I don't know if you've noticed this, but churches are built in such a way so that it slopes towards the altar. Yours here is like that too. 
The gravity helps get you to the communion table. And gravity certainly at that church helped get me to the communion table. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go or how I was going to get there, but I was pulled forward by this force. And communion was a particularly difficult thing for me to wrap my mind around because of stuff I was reading. And so the only thing I knew to do, the, the only prayer I knew to say was that prayer that we hear um, in the Gospels where I said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's all I could say. And so week after week after week, this is what I prayed when I took communion. And it wasn't until maybe two years later, when I'd kind of come out of this period of my life, that I realized what God had been doing the whole time. Pulling me forward to the table. And I say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I hold out open hands. And the next thing I heard, this is the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Church, when we come before God with open hands, truly amazing things can happen. The kingdom of God is built on open hearts and open hands. When we give ourselves over to what God is trying to do, when we say, Jesus, take the wheel, and we actually mean it, When we let go of our possessions, of our way of doing things, of our shame and our guilt, when we simply come before God like beggars with empty hands, the whole universe is placed within them. That's what we'll discover. That's what we'll learn. The ways that Jesus is in our midst and the ways that the Holy Spirit is already at work in our life if we are just willing to let go a little bit, to loosen up a little bit, to see what God might do. So church, have yourself a summer Lent today, all right? Find something in your life to let go of, to give over to God so that you can be opened for the powerful, the mighty, the life-changing ways that God is at work. Watch and see how unexpected the ways of God can truly be. Amen.